So today we're going to talk about Nehemiah chapter 1. Now, now the story of Nehemiah and Ezra, we already, already said it goes hand in hand. We told you that the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, more than likely written by Ezra himself as one kind of book, but it was split up uh, to, to kind of give you a different perspective, a different view, and kind of break the story up a little bit. But in this story of Ezra and Nehemiah, we read in the beginning of the story, we see a guy named Zerubbabel who is royal. He comes in and wants to rebuild the temple of Jerusalem after it's all been destroyed. And then Ezra comes down and he tries to restore the culture of the people, get them back to worshiping God, get them back to serving God and establishing some spiritual standards and boundaries for themselves. And, and then we see Nehemiah show up on the scene and Nehemiah's whole mindset has to do with the actual physical walls of the city. And that's what his story is all about walls and gates. So today we're going to talk about walls. Next week we're going to talk about gates. And, um, and I know that sounds super boring to you right off the bat. It does to me too. But I think there's some spiritual application to the walls and gates that are really going to help us out. And just to let you know, today's message is going to be extremely practical. Extremely practical. So if you want to take notes today, um, I'm hoping that today is going to be a lot of stuff that you can take home and apply to your life right away. Um, so Nehemiah chapter 1, and, and I'm going to give you a couple of quick points um, out of Nehemiah 1, Nehemiah 2, and Nehemiah 3 that have to do with these walls and have to do with our life. And so Nehemiah chapter 1, it starts us off with an understanding that walls are more than bricks. That's something you need to know as we get into this story. You need to see that walls are more than bricks. In other words, Nehemiah doesn't just see walls as a structure. There's something else to it. So I want you to look, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 2. Han and I, one of my brothers, this is Nehemiah, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned uh, there from captivity and how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and dis- disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. In other words, the walls of Jerusalem look a lot like the rage room I was in yesterday where you have all this stuff that had intention and it had purpose and it had identity. You had, you had coffee mugs that, that someone intended this coffee mug to drink coffee out of it and we're hitting it with a baseball bat like it's a wiffle ball. You know, like, like it just destroyed and, and crumbling all on the ground. And, and so, so, so he's hearing this and here's what he says. Uh, it says, there, uh, the gates have been destroyed by fire. Verse four, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. So, so right there, I'm going to pause with verse 4 before we hit verse 5. You understand something here. When Nehemiah hears about the walls and gates being torn down and burned, he, he begins to weep. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never wept over a building being broken down. Right? I've never wept over a, a physical structure, something happening to it. I might would weep if someone were hurt in the process, but it wasn't to, to Nehemiah, these walls have to mean something more. There has to be something deeper. So here's what he says in verse 5. Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. I'm going to just stop there, but the passage continues on 
this prayer of repentance and confession and sin. And, and it hit me when I was studying this that for Nehemiah, the idea of the walls represents more than just brick and mortar. The walls represent the structure and the, the spiritual structure and systems of Jerusalem, of Israel, of the people. See, when Nehemiah sees walls, and in those days walls um, meant more than just the, the structure. In those days, the walls represented your, your boundaries. The walls represented your strength. The walls represented your God. A lot of times, uh, people in those days would even put statues of their gods um, embedded into their walls of their city. So, so the walls represented something big. As a matter of fact, it represented God's favor on your life. Because if your walls were still standing, that means God still favored you. But when Israel began to sin... When Israel's lifestyle changed and they went from a, from a culture that served God into a culture that turned against God, that rebelled against God, all of a sudden God took his hand of protection off and the walls were torn down. And for some of us today, the walls in our life are like that rage room. They're just busted up. They're just busted up. And, and so here's what I want to talk about these walls. To me, the walls represent the systems in the lives of us. Our walls represent our systems. Systems could be called our, our customs, our habits. Um, I don't like to use the word habit because a lot of times when we use the word habit, it's like we think of bad habits, right? Like spitting or um, I don't know why spitting always comes up as a bad habit. Uh, I spit all the time. Um, not in here. I, but when I'm preaching, I spit all the time. And so that's why no one sits on the front rows hardly, just a few people because uh, they understand but, but we talk about habits, and, and maybe habits are, are associated with addictions, or maybe habits are associated with things we say or the way we act. But, but really, all a habit is, is a habit is the system that we build into our life. A habit is just something that you do consistently every single day. It's a system that builds into your life, and it supports who you are. Uh, there's an author by the name of James Clear, and he wrote a book called Atomic Habits. I really like it a lot. Um, I read it a while back. But here's what James Clear says. He says, we will not rise to the level of our goals. We will always fall to the level of our systems or our habits. It's important for you to understand something. We can have a lot of goals. I want to do this and I want to do that. And I want to have a million dollars. And we can have all this stuff, all these lofty goals that we want. But your life is never going to rise to the level of your goals. It's always going to fall to the level of your habits of your systems, what you integrate into your life, what you do on a consistent daily basis. There's a guy named Charles Duhigg. He said this, it's the activities we do daily that determine our lives. The habits, the systems of Israel had become poor. They lost the walls. They lost the walls. And for some of us, a new year, we're like, new year, new me, man. I'm starting over. I'm doing something great. I'm going to do all the things. I'm going to get fit this year. I'm going to get a budget this year. I'm going to do good at my job this year. Like, like we have all the things. I'm going to read my Bible every single day. And day two rolls around, and you forget to read your Bible, right? You say, I'm not eating sugar. And then someone brings you a cupcake, and they're like, you got to eat this cupcake. And you're like, I got to eat the cupcake because it's from Edgar's, and it's strawberry. And you got to do what you got to do, Right? Anybody see my struggle? And so, um, and so you've got these things that begin to fall apart, right? Because, because the, the, the problem is sometimes our, our, our lifestyle is always going to fall to the level of our habits. And so we've got to establish some good things. It doesn't matter. We talked about earlier about having the temple. We said that we've got to establish a temple in our life. The temple represents our connection to God. It represents our salvation. And I'm super proud of you if you go to a church and, and the preacher gives a, an altar call at the end, myself included, and we say, hey, do you want to pray uh, to ask God to, 
to change your life? Do you want to repent of your sins? Do you want to, you know, make him Lord and Savior? And we say yes, and we raise our hand, and we, we do the prayer, and we do all this stuff. But listen, just because you establish a spiritual temple in your life, if you don't have walls to protect it, then the enemy can very quickly come in with temptation. You can very quickly fall apart. And, and so that's why we say a lot of times um, it, it, it doesn't matter necessarily what you pray as much as it matters how you live it out. A lot of people claim Christianity, but they don't live Christianity. A lot of people claim Christ, but they're no closer to getting to him or looking like him than they were yesterday. And, and so there's this level of habits, lifestyle, actions, consistency that we need to build in our life. Why? Because those things are what protect our hearts. Those things are what protect our spirit. And so it's important that you have those kind of systems in your life. Jesus even had systems. He had habits. He had customs. Um, Luke chapter 14. I'm going to read just, just three, uh, three verses, but, but there's many more. Luke chapter, 14 verse, uh, Luke chapter 4 verse 16. It says this, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on Sabbath day and stood up to read. When it says, as was his custom, this was something that everybody knew that Jesus did on a regular basis. It was his habit. It was his system. Every time it was Sabbath day, what did Jesus do? You can always find him at the temple, at the synagogue, reading, teaching, going over the scriptures. As a matter of fact, when they went to arrest Jesus uh, towards the end of his life, before they crucified him, Jesus said, every day... I was, at, I was at the temple. I had a pattern of life that everyone knew. Why are you having to come out here at night to grab me when you could have grabbed me anytime? Because you knew exactly where I was. I wasn't hiding from you. I had a system. I had habits. I had customs. Luke chapter 5, verse 16. But Jesus often, right? This is a habit. This is a custom. This is a system. Often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Luke twenty two thirty nine. As he came out and went as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. What were they going to do? They were going to pray. So Jesus had habits of going to church, reading the Bible, teaching. He had habits of going to pray. As a matter of fact, even on the Mount of Olives was a, was a place that he went oftentimes, enough that people knew that. When Jesus was betrayed by Judas, Judas found him on the Mount of Olives, not because he was with him when he went there, but because Judas understood, I know where he's going to go because he does the same thing every day. The guy is super consistent. I know exactly where to find him. It's late. He's going to be praying. He's going to be on the Mount of Olives. Let's go there. We'll find him. We'll arrest him. So Jesus had these things built into his life. And so my question for you today is, what are the habits... What are the customs that we have? Are they customs that people know us by that are not good? You know, that guy's always emotional. That guy always gets mad. That girl is constantly gossiping and being negative about everybody she sees. This is a system that we've built into our life. It's not necessarily a good one. I love sitting next to this person because every time I'm around them, they're always positive. They're always uh, thankful. They're, they're always talking about all the good things. I love sitting around this person. Why? Because every time I'm around them, they make me feel good. What is going on? You have recognized a habit, a custom, a system in this person's life that even though their life may be falling apart and they may be hurt and they may be broken, they're always going to see a positive side to it. They're always going to be thankful for what God is doing in their life, not what he's not doing, right? Not complaining about what he's not doing. And so, so we see these in, in other people and we need to start seeing them in ourselves. Start seeing them ourselves. Here's the second thing I want you to notice. Nehemiah chapter 2, 
Nehemiah chapter 2. So the first thing we got to understand is walls are not just, not just bricks, right? That we all have walls we need to be building in our life. You need to be building walls in your personal life, in your spiritual life, in your fitness life, in your financial life. You need to be building walls in your life. You need to be building walls in your family. What are the customs and habits of your family? Um, this next one, it, it, it'll kind of blend over between the two. But Nehemiah got a vision in chapter 2. He's got a vision. He's got something to shoot for here. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. Again, Nehemiah speaking. So I arrived in Jerusalem three days later. I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. He didn't tell a lot of people about what he was doing. He just grabbed a couple of guys, and they head out. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. If you're highlighting today, highlight that verse. I didn't tell anybody about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. In other words, God has put a vision in this man's heart for Jerusalem. He's already got something working in his heart. And I believe today that God is putting something in your heart. He's putting a vision in your heart for your life, for your family, for your workplace, for whatever it is that you, that you need to talk about today, that we need to deal with today. He's putting something in your life right now. We took no pack animals with us except the donkey I was riding. After dark, I went through the valley gate, past the jackal's wall. I love that. I mean, jackal's well. I like that word. I don't know why. And over to the dung gate. Don't really care for that one. To inspect the broken walls and burned gates. Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through, couldn't get through the rubble. Like, I can't get through this verse. So, though it was still dark, I went up to the Kidron Valley instead, inspecting the walls before I turned back and entered again through the valley gate. Here's something I want you to notice. My man's got a vision for what the city's supposed to look like. And then he goes out and inspects all the walls. He's checking them all out. Now, for some of us, you're like, Gabriel, I get it. It's really boring to talk about an inspector. You know, like he's just going out inspecting, measuring, right? But, but the idea is this. We need to be inspecting the walls of our life. Like, if you start looking at your family and you start seeing a breakdown in your family, if you look at your marriage and you're seeing some things that are broken in your marriage and are breaking down in your marriage, what we do a lot of times is, kind of like the rage room I was in yesterday, we break all this stuff and then we just walk away. Ah, it's broken. I can't put it back together. I'm just going to leave. But Nehemiah says it's all broken and it looks terrible, but I got a plan. There's something in my heart, I think, I think we can fix this. I think there's some work that can be done, and it's going to be hard, and it's going to be difficult, but he's got a vision of what it's supposed to look like. In his head, he knows what it's supposed to look like. Listen, you need to know what your family is supposed to look like. You need to know what your marriage is supposed to look like. You need to know what your spiritual life is supposed to look like. You need to get a vision in your head of what you want to be. Because here's the thing. Don't start thinking about things you want to do. Think about who you want to be. And staff, we're watching this video series right now by a guy named Craig Groeschel. He's a pastor um, out west. And, and one of the things he's talking about is he's talking about some different habits that we build into our life as leaders. And he says, don't think about what you want to do as a leader. Think about who you want to be as a leader. And if you know who you want to be, then the habits you build into your life will support who you want to be. The walls you build in your life will support the identity that you have. Israel needed some walls to support who they were as God's people. So our habits aren't just about what we do. It's about who we want to be. I want to be the kind of dad that, right? I want to be the kind of husband that. I want to be the kind of nurse that. I want to be the kind of secretary that. I want to be the kind of 
whatever, you know, garbage man that, whatever it is that you want to be, right? Whatever it is that you're looking forward to, what is the vision that God's putting in your heart? What is the identity that you want to get to? And now we can work on the habits that get us there. So I went to this, uh, I went to this fitness competition one time. And I'm old, so I get to enter in as a master's athlete. And so the term athlete for me is very loose, right? Very loose. And so, so I walk in, and, um, and all these dudes are working out. And I'm looking around, and I'm like, where are the master's athletes? Because I know me, and I know my ability, and I know my body. And I'm looking at these other guys, and I'm like, there's no way that guy's 40. Like, there's no way that guy is in the master's category. And, I mean, these dudes, like, they get in there and they rip their shirt off and they've just got muscles and six-packs and eight-packs and 12-packs and they've got all the packs and they've got, you know, biceps. And, and I'm looking at them and I'm like, this dude is like a 20-year-old with gray hair. How is this possible? What is happening right now? And I'm looking at all these guys and they just destroyed me in the workouts. Like... I was the worst, right? Have you ever had that feeling that you're the worst, um, but you're really not? I was the worst, and I really was, right? And so, and I'm looking at my body, and I'm like, I'm really hot, and I want to take my shirt off to do this workout, but I'm looking at the guy next to me, and I'm like, I think I'm going to go grab a sweater. Like, is there something else? Can I cover myself with more clothing to keep me from being totally embarrassed by this 60-year-old stud sitting next to me just repping things out? I was absolutely the worst. I'd lifted the least amount of weights of anybody there. And as embarrassing as it was, I began to look at these guys and I thought, you know what? I really want, I would love to be, when I'm 50, I would love to look like that. I would love to look like that. And so, so you begin to do the research and you start thinking, what are the habits that a guy like that does on a daily basis what's the lifestyle you got to live to be able to look like that when you're 50 and i begin to do the research and i begin to read about how much food you have to eat right now i'm eating probably the most i ever ate i'm eating like 2700 calories a day that may not seem like much to you but to me i mean i don't know i don't know what your relative is but i started reading about these guys and some of these guys are eating like three four thousand calories a day and i'm like i'm gonna have to Double? You know, I, I barely get my food in as it is, and now you want me to double my food? And I just begin to look at how often they work out and, and, and all this stuff. And then the last one was how many steroids they take. And I was like, I just can't. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. So then I started looking at like 70, 80-year-old people, and I was like, okay, I'm going to work towards that. I'm going to work towards being 70 and, and not getting out of breath whenever I tie my shoes. Like, that's my new goal, right? Like, if I can do that, it's more achievable. But the idea is this. you got to have a goal, right? And then you've got to work towards that goal. So I taught the staff the other day. I said, I would really love to be the kind of pastor, or the kind of preacher, not pastor, the kind of preacher that can have the same amount of impact that I have now, but with fewer minutes on the clock preaching. Like, like what if I could, instead of preaching for 45 minutes, what if I could preach for 40 minutes and have the same amount of impact? What if I could preach for 35 minutes and have the same amount of impact? And so I thought there's some certain habits I have to build in my life. I have to do things I don't want to do, like watch myself, right? Like, like tomorrow, I have to watch this sermon. I've never watched a sermon that I've preached before. I've never listened back to sermons that I've, 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 list, I've preached before. I don't like to hear myself. And, um, and already today... I've destroyed, like, I'm not going to do it. I get it. 
And so I gotta, I gotta have a new identity, I think. But there's certain habits you gotta build to get to the person that you wanna be. Nehemiah chapter three, you gotta learn how to build in sections. You gotta learn how to build in sections. Nehemiah three, one, the story continues this way. I'm, gonna, I'm only gonna read one verse, but just understand it's very repetitive what I'm about to say. Then Eliashib, the high priest, and the other priests started to rebuild at the sheep gate. So certain spot, they decided to rebuild here. They dedicated it, set up the doors, and then went as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and then the Tower of Hanael. And, and the story just continues on that way. And this person and their family, they built this section of wall, and they dedicated it, and then someone built this gate, and they dedicated it, and they went to build this thing, and it's just over and over. In other words, there, we need to build the habits in our life, the structures in our life, the customs in our life, little by little, section by section, not all at once. You're never going to just immediately today absolutely change everything about your life and add a million new habits. You can't do that. You've got to just build a little bit at a time. As a matter of fact, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10 says, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. God is happy whenever we just start. He's not, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. Some of you guys started a new Bible reading plan this year. God doesn't care necessarily that you finish the Bible reading plan or you hit every single chapter every single day or that you outdo someone else. He cares that you start. Just start somewhere, man. Start with a chapter. If all I can do is get a chapter in a day, start somewhere. Build in sections. Uh, I read a story. There's a, the guy uh, that I just quoted earlier, um, James Clear, tells a story of a client that he had one time. And, and he said the client wanted to be the kind of person that went to the gym every day. Like he wanted to be the kind of person that was into fitness and, and, and was healthy and wanted to go to the gym every day, but he could never make himself go to the gym every day. He just got bored and just got lazy and just never could go every day. And so James told him, he said, look, here's a little trick. He said, I want you just to go to the gym for five minutes. And the guy was like, five minutes? Like, and, and, and he's like, yeah, man, just, just go five minutes. But go every day, but just go for five minutes. And so the guy started building this habit where he would go to the gym. He would literally get out of his car, walk in, go sit on a machine, press like three times, and then get up and walk out because his five minutes was up. But he did it every day. Like he just learned to be consistent just a little bit at a time. And he started noticing that, that all of a sudden he would go in and he would do a little bit and five minutes would be up. And he'd like, yeah, but I'm going to stay a little bit longer. And then I'm going to stay a little bit longer. And then he became the kind of guy that was going to the gym every day for an hour. What happened? He started small. And he started adding small incremental changes to his life to build up to who he wanted to be, the identity that he wanted to achieve. So walls, walls are not just bricks. They're areas of our life, they're habits, they're structures, they're systems in our life that we build to protect us and to identify us and build upon our life, right? We also said that, that it's important to have a vision. You've got to know who you want to be, not just what you want to do. Because if you know who you want to be, then what you do will lead to that. And then you've got you to gotta make sure that you're just building in sections. You're just taking a little bit at a time. Start small and build something. And so with that being said, now comes a super practical, somewhat spiritual part. I can't help you today with, you know, I, I, I want to quit smoking. I can't help you with, I want to have a better budget. I can't help you with, I want to have a better marriage. Today, that would be message upon message upon message, and I absolutely would not hit my 40-minute mark. I'm not even going to hit it right now. So there's no sense in getting into all that stuff. So today, let me just help you with four walls that you can build for your spiritual life, okay? Just four walls that you can build for your spiritual life. And, and I promise you, if we learn to build these four walls in our spiritual life, 
then, then those will help protect all those other areas of your life that you want to work on. Okay? So you may have a, a variety of things to work on, but today we're going to focus on four walls of our spiritual life that we need to build or, listen, not just build but reinforce. Some of you say, I already do some of these things. That's great, man. Reinforce it. Reinforce it. Like, I, I, I've, never seen, um, I've never seen a wall that didn't need a little bit of help at some point, right? Like, there's always going to be areas that need to patch or paint or, or, or reinforce. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and 44. This is the beginning of the church. So Jonathan, uh, Pastor Jonathan led us today talking about Acts chapter 2, and he talked about how um, all the believers were together, and the Spirit of God rested on them and empowered them, and they went out witnessing and changing people's lives. Um, Peter, actually, at the end of that story, steps up and just begins to preach. And as Peter begins to preach, the Bible says thousands of people gave their hearts to Christ and, and changed their life. But then this is what happens. This is the continuation of that story. It says in Acts 2.42, all the believers devoted themselves, if you're highlighting today, highlight, underline, devoted. Devoted's a big word here. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Verse 44, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. So real quickly, before we get into the four habits or walls that we want to build in our spiritual life, I want to focus on the word devoted. That's an important word in this, in this story. Um, the word devoted means to persist. Uh, persist. It means to prevail. Um, it means to continue with intense effort despite difficulty. Anytime you want to build a new system in your life, it's going to take some intense effort. You're going to have to prevail and you're going to be forced to deal with difficulty. There's going to be temptation. There's going to be um, the, the, the temptation to quit or give up. So yesterday I told you already about this very manly bachelor party that I went to where we broke a lot of stuff in a room. And then, you know what we did? We went and played video games, right? Like, that's how manly we were. Um, we're like a bunch of 12-year-olds, and we went to Dave & Buster's, and we played video games. And they don't have windows in Dave & Buster's because they want you just to stay there and spend money. It's like a casino. And so we were there for like two and a half hours playing video games. I've never been more sweaty playing stupid video games before, right? And so we, we get done at Dave & Buster's, and we look, and we've got all these tickets. We had 8,000 tickets um, to spend at the store at Dave & Buster's. And four or five grown men went into the room, and we began to spend 8,000 tickets. And we're buying you know, stuffed animals. I wish I could tell you this is not true, but it is. We bought stuffed animals um, and we bought candy. Like those are the two main things we bought, stuffed animals and candy. And, uh, and Lee, Lee, who's working the sound, already talked about him earlier. He had his eyes set on a gummy pizza. Now, if you don't know what a gummy pizza is, it's also known as diabetes. It's, it's got another name for it. That's the scientific name for it. And so... And so Lee bought a gummy pizza, but right now, right now, I'm not eating sugar, like processed sugar at all as part of my, uh, something I'm doing, a, a personal challenge right now to myself. And so I'm not eating processed sugar, and, and, um, and so Lee buys this gummy pizza, and we all get in the car, and we're leaving, and everybody's like, break out the gummy pizza! And Lee's like, okay! And he rips it open, and I'm looking at all these gummies, 
And like at first, it doesn't even look appealing. You know what I mean? But when you've been without something for a while, then everything looks appealing. Like I'm pretty sure there's a couple of rocks that had sand on them that I thought was sugar and I wanted to eat them earlier. And so, so I'm looking at this gummy pizza. It looks super gross. But after about two minutes of looking at the gummy pizza, I'm like, that looks really good. And then, and then people are like, oh, this one tastes like banana. It's so good. I love banana. And I'm like, I really love banana flavored candy. And so Lee's like, here, take some gummy pizza. And I thought, nobody would even know. Like, these guys don't know what I'm doing in my challenge, and no one would even know. I wouldn't even have to tell Perry, and I wouldn't have to tell the church, but you know me, I'd tell you anyway. And so I looked at the gummy pizza, and I was like, eh, no, I'm, I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Why? Because I've devoted myself, I've devoted myself, right? Uh, watch me fail tomorrow. I've devoted myself, and devotion means that even in the face of difficulty, I have to have intense effort. There's going to be some things I'm going to talk to you about today, and you're going to want to not do them. But even in the face of difficulty, you need to have intense effort. If you're ever going to accomplish anything. So, so let's look at the things that these people were devoted to. Number one, they were devoted to the word. It says, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles were teaching the word. You need to devote yourself to God's word. This is a habit you need to build in your life. You got to do it, man. Like, a lot of times I want to tell people it's a good idea. It's not a good idea. It is the idea. Like, this is the foundation of everything we do. Jesus said it's not enough just to hear what I'm saying. You need to do what I'm saying. And he says you got to build your life on my word. Build your life on God's word. you got to do it. you got to do it. Now, some of you are like, man, I've tried reading the Bible, and it's so boring. Anybody ever had that before? Nobody's going to admit it, but a lot of you come tell me, so I know. It's boring. All they do is talk about names. I don't care anything about the dimensions of the temple. No, no, I get it. There's parts of it that aren't necessarily the most fun read in the world. But can I just promise you, if you will devote yourself, if you will persist, if you will prevail, even against the obstacle of, I feel bored reading about a bunch of so-and-so begat so-and-sos, if you'll just get through those passages and get to the other parts where you can receive life from God's word, it can change your life. So here's a couple of little quick notes I want to just give you. Take notes on this. Please write this down on, on God's word. Number one, get a Bible reading plan. If you don't know where to start, start with a Bible reading plan. If you don't have one, come find me. I'll help you find one. I can show you how to download it on your phone. Um, I, I can show you how to listen to it if you struggle reading. Um, I, I'm, I struggle reading a lot of times. And so for me, I like to listen to God's word and I'll have it on my phone. I'll watch it. And, and it will literally, the, the app I use, the page will literally move. It'll scroll with you so you can keep track of what God's trying to say to you through his word. But get on a Bible reading plan. I don't care if your Bible reading plan is I'm going to read one chapter a day. Do something, start small, build in sections, but get a Bible reading plan. It's super, super important because God wants to speak to you. And, and, and people say all the time, well, does God really speak? Yes, he absolutely still speaks. Well, I didn't hear an audible voice. That's okay. He will speak to you through his word. I can't tell you how many times, honestly, that I've been going through something and I would go to read a passage of scripture that's in my Bible reading plan. I didn't go look up, what does the Bible say about depression? I didn't look it up. I would just go in and I would read my normal Bible reading plan. And in that, God would speak to me about depression. He would speak to me about sin. He'd speak to me about joy. He'd speak to me about whatever it is that I needed to hear. Got to get a Bible reading plan. Super important. Come find me after church. I'll help you. The other thing is review the message. Like I know I may or may not be the best preacher um, or your favorite preacher. That's okay. But take what I've studied and review it. 
Go listen to some other preachers. Review what you hear. Like, take notes in service if you can, and then go back tomorrow and review it. Go back over it. See if there's something you missed or something God's speaking to you. And that leads me, both of those lead me to this one thing. Find one thing to meditate on. The Bible uses the word meditate a lot. It doesn't mean to sit down and cross your legs and om. That's not meditation, right? Meditation in the Bible, it, it, it's, a, it's a Hebrew word. When God uses it in the Old Testament, it was a Hebrew word for how a cow regurgitates its food and chews the cud and then re-swallows it. In other words, I take something I've already heard, I take something I've already read, and I just go over it again and again until it gets down and becomes a part of me. I came across a, a scripture the other day that, that talked about how God wants to, was leading the Israelites into the promised land, and he says, I'm going to lead you in little by little. And, and I just stayed on that one verse over and over again this week. I just keep coming back to it. I keep thinking about it. I keep looking it up and studying it. Why? Because that's one thing that spoke to me. Today in the message, there may be one thing that speaks to you, and if it's only one thing, that's okay. Take that one thing and keep regurgitating it, keep chewing it, keep going over it. You may find one scripture out of the 20 that you read this week, but, but hone in on one thing if you have to. That's what I would do. That's, my, that's how I would start allowing the word of God to become a daily habit. The other thing is find a consistent time and place to read. Like for me, I, I know it's a struggle if I try to read during the day, like, like during my work day. So I have to get up before everybody else. And I make my breakfast before I make anybody else's breakfast or fix any lunches. And I sit at the, at the table and I play my Bible on my phone and I eat my breakfast and I've got my journal laying right next to me. And as I'm listening and reading and eating, if I come across something, I hit the pause button and I write it down in my journal. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. The second thing is this. It says they were not only devoted to the apostles' teaching, they were devoted to fellowship. They're devoted to fellowship. There's, there's three ways, three easy ways to have fellowship to break things down. Number one way of fellowship is church. This is fellowship. When we come together as a church body, I love online service. I love having our stuff be able to reach people who can't be here because they're sick or they, you know, uh, they're out of town. I think that's awesome. But listen, don't substitute watching church on TV for, for being in the church. Watching church on TV is um, emergency mode. Watching church on TV is, is a I have to because, but don't just let that become your habit. Why? Because you're missing out on the habit of fellowship. We need each other, man. We need each other. We've got to have a support system of physical bodies, people that can love us and take care of us. So you need church. We need this. The other area of fellowship that we need is small groups. And, and I know our church, our church does small groups, yes, but, but really, the only reason we do small groups is just to help you facilitate your own small group. Like, at the end of the day, you can meet up with a group of people. You don't have to have the church's permission to do a small group. You meet with people. You get together. You talk about God's work. You talk about your problems. You talk about your issues. Whatever it is that you need, you need to get in a small group. Something um, I really, really appreciate about Pastor Jonathan and Anna is... is they are constantly telling me, well, we're going to have lunch with these people tomorrow. We're having dinner with these people next week, and we've scheduled this with these people. Then I'm like, when do you guys ever have time to do anything? Because they're constantly trying to meet people and get in touch with people. Why? Because they understand the concept of fellowship and how important it is to the body of Christ and to me as an individual. The other thing we need to have is, is just one-on-ones. It's good every so often to call people and say, hey, let's just go do lunch. Let's go do coffee. Let's just have that one-on-one time where I can sit down and talk to you. So three areas of fellowship, church groups, and one-on-one. Number three, they devoted themselves to prayer. This is another one I want you to take notes on. I think I actually put 
um, some notes on here. The easiest way to pray, I'm going to give you an easy way, because if you've ever struggled with prayer, a lot of us have struggled with prayer. Prayer is probably, of my spiritual habits, it's probably my weakest, right? It's probably my weakest. Um, I love reading my Bible. I love to, to hear what God's saying. I love fellowship with people. Um, I love what we're about to say in a minute, which is sharing. I love that one. But prayer, although I love prayer, sometimes it can be my most difficult, right? And so here's a, a little way to help you it is, is pray through a plan. We got a Bible reading plan, plan, but to get you started in prayer, pray through a plan. And, and the plan can be this simple. I wrote down four, four things that I think are very, very simple for prayer. Number one is worship or gratitude. And so what I did, um, even preparing for this message, I thought, I'm going to try this out. I'm not going to tell people to do something that I'm not willing to try out myself. So in my journal, I wrote down number one, worship slash gratitude. And I just begin to pray and write. I like to write when I pray. I just begin to write down the things I'm grateful for. God, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful that you've blessed our family, that, that I worry about our, our finances, but you always come through and bless our finances. And so I'm thankful for that. I worship you today because you are wonderful and you're a provider and you're so good to me. Even when I don't deserve you to be good to me, you are so good to me. And I just begin to write out that prayer and I begin to pray that prayer out loud. Very, very simple. It didn't take me very long. The next one is this. Cleansing. It's one thing that we go to God, we thank God for what he's done for us, we worship him in that manner, but then we also need cleansing. So I said, God, search my heart. Is there something, is there an attitude, is there a sin, is there an area of my life where I'm struggling or where I'm offending you? And if there is, help me to get rid of that. And so I said, God, please forgive me. Help me to repent, help me to change and turn away from these things that I shouldn't be doing. And then the third area, very simple, is, is needs or petitions. The Bible uses the word petition. But that's just an area of intercession where I just go to God and say, God, here are the needs of my family. Here's what I'm praying for today. And literally in my prayer, I don't think I prayed yesterday or the other day when I did this notes. If I went back and looked, I don't think I prayed for anybody in my immediate family. I, I think I prayed for people. I prayed for some of you guys. And, and, and I think I wrote down three, three things that I was praying for. And that was it. But there were three needs that I felt like in that moment I need to pray about. And I prayed about those three needs. God, provide these specific things for this person. God, for this family today, I pray that you do this, this, and this. God, for this situation, I ask that you administer in this way, this way, this way. And so I had these petitions. So I worshiped him. I was super thankful for what he had already done. I, I got some cleansing for my own heart. And then I petitioned God for, for other people, or, I mean, even yourself, but those are the times whenever we begin to ask God for stuff. And then the last one was indwelling. Pastor Jonathan talked about the, the Spirit of God moving on the people. In the Old Testament, I, I mentioned earlier how, how God told Ezekiel about the dry bones, and, and God says, I will put my Spirit in them. And so I just begin to pray at the very end. I say, God, I just pray today that your Spirit would dwell in me, that your Spirit would move through me, that your Spirit would live through me today. I pray that your spirit would find a home in my life, that my words would be affected, my actions would be affected, that I would hear your voice, that you would lead me and guide me every step of my day today. And then, amen. Now that didn't take very long, and that could be your prayer life. That could be a great way to get started. Great way to get started. That's a, a few blocks right there just to help you build that wall of prayer in your life. And then the last one is this, and this is where we're going to stop, and I'm going I'm to pray, and we're going to end the message. Um, the last one is this sharing. So we need the word. They, the, the people, the walls they built was the word, fellowship, prayer. And the last wall they built was sharing. It says they had everything in common and they shared amongst each other. 
They shared amongst you. So what does it mean to share? What does it mean to share? What is it that I'm supposed to be sharing? Does that just mean giving in the offering? And if you're new here today, you're like, I knew it. I knew at some point the preacher would tell us to give more money. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, it does in a sense, but that's, that's not what I'm talking about today. Three, three areas that we can share and that we need to share. Three habitual areas we need to share in, right? You need to share your time. There are people in your life that just need a little bit of time. Listen, I, I said earlier, I'm not going to help you become a better dad or mom or spouse or whatever. But really, I am if you build these habits. Because if you learn to share your time, if you become habitually able to share your time, then all of a sudden when your wife comes home and feels like my needs aren't being met and I've, no one ever t- we don't ever talk, and we don't ever, then you can say, I, I need to share my time. And I'll give you 30 minutes and let's talk. No more than 30 minutes, because after a while, God's brain just loses it, ladies. I'm sorry, but I'll give you some time and let's talk. Sometimes your kids, my, my youngest son said to me last night, I've been gone all day, um, and my youngest son said, Dad, I'm playing a video game right now. And I said, okay, yeah, I get it. He said, but when I'm done, we're going to have to wrestle. And I was like, okay. You know, like, okay, I'll give you that time. We need to share our time. Maybe that time is, is volunteering here at the church. He said, hey, I, I've got time, man. I can, I can go work in the nursery. I can greet people at the door. I can hand out food. I can do something. I've got time that I can share. I, I need to share my time. We need to share our treasure. Yes, that does have to do with giving. And yes, I'm a habitual giver. My wife and I tithe on everything that we get. The other day, I got, I got money in. I got paid for something. And as soon as I got paid for it and I deposited it in my account, I immediately went to the little bill pay tab. And I go to this one section that I've already got saved. And I, I punched in the 10%. And I sent the check to the church immediately. It said tithe. And before I ever spent a dime of that money, I'd already tithed. And the church was already getting a check. It's a habit for me. It's a lifestyle for me. It's a structure in my life. It's a system in my life that whenever I worry about finances, I can always back myself up to know, you know what? In my finances, I've got some really good systems in my life of finances because I always tithe and God always blesses tithers. And so I'm okay. God's going to provide. But sometimes selling your, I mean, sharing your treasure is not just about giving to the church. Sometimes it's about sharing it with other people. Sometimes it's about providing for someone else, loving someone else. I I said this last week, I've got this huge jug in the office, a gallon jug of water. And and I think, like I said, during the middle of my message, I'm sure she wasn't paying attention, but Kaylee is back there like ordering on Amazon, you know, Gabriel needs a jug of water. He needs some help because he's obviously going to fail without my help. So she, so it's Monday morning. I, I mean, Monday I get this package in the mail. What happened? Someone had some treasure that they decided to share with me. Yeah, but Gabriel, does that impact, you know, the rest of your life? Well, I mean, it makes me drink more water, but here's what it does. It built a habit in Kaylee's life that's saying, hey, I'm building this wall of sharing. And when I build this wall of sharing, it keeps me from being greedy. It keeps me from being selfish. It protects me from the temptation to hoard things for myself. And and I'm building this wall, this habit, this system in my life of sharing with other people. When When I build these walls, it protects me. It protects me. The last one is we need to share our testimony. People don't need you to preach a sermon. I'm going to be completely honest with you. This is, um, as a pastor of a church, I get a lot of credit for church growth. And, and I have, I've had people say, um, we'll talk about the pandemic and how they lost all these people and how they lost all this money. And they were like, but Gabriel, how did you... Keep your church going, and your finances are better than they've ever been, and your church is 
is, is, you know, you've got new people coming all the time. It absolutely, here's the secret, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with you. When the pandemic hit and we didn't have like 30 people showing up, like we had very, very low attendance. Sophia decided to come and she didn't want to just come by herself. So she invited uh, Megan and Kayleen. Megan and Kayleen came and, and then they started inviting people. And, and then some of you other people came and you're like, well, I like this church. So I'm going to invite someone else. Listen, it wasn't a matter of you preached a sermon. It was a matter of you just shared your story. Hey, here's what happened. I went to this church. I really liked it. The people really loved me. And, and um, the preacher told some really stupid jokes, but he had at least one good point that, that I hung on to, right? And, and so, so you begin to share your story. Your testimony is just your story. And that's what people need. People need you to share that. Stop hoarding it. Stop hoarding it. Share it. Share your story. And listen, if you build the habit of sharing your story, if you build that system into your life, all of a sudden when God asks you to do anything, it's easy. Why? Because I've already built a habit of sharing my story. I've built a habit of, of sharing my treasure. I've built a habit of sharing my time. I've built this habit of prayer, and it's protecting me from, from emotional, irrational thinking because all of a sudden I can go back to prayer. I've built this habit of consuming God's word. And how does that protect me? It protects me because when the enemy comes against me like a flood, the Bible says when the enemy comes against you like a flood, when, when the Bible says Jesus said that, that whenever the, the waves and the winds crash on me, I'm not going to crumble anymore. Why? Because I've got God's word to stand on. I've got, I've got truth. Not my truth, not your truth. I've got God's truth, and it's absolute, and I can build my life on this. If I build the habit and the system of fellowship with other people, go ahead and stand up with me. If I build the habit and system of fellowship with other people, when I'm hurt and I'm broken, I've got people that love me and care for me and will surround me in prayer and support. It's protection. So today, here's what all I'm going to ask you to do. I know we got to go. All I'm going to ask you to do today is really this week. I want you this week to begin to ask God, are there areas of, of my life that are broken down? Maybe your prayer life's just not there. Maybe your sharing life is just that wall has been hit by way too many bombs. Maybe your Bible reading life, your consumption of God's word has a whole bunch of holes in it. Listen, what are the areas of your life, what are the walls, the systems, the habits in your life that are broken and need to be reinforced or rebuilt? That's what I'm going to ask you to discover this week. I want you to go to God and say, God, what are these areas? Some of you don't have to go to God. You know right off the bat. Like, I get it. I know exactly what i got to work on. But then I want you to reinforce those habits. I want you to find a way to start small, reinforce those habits. Why don't you close your eyes with me this morning. Let's take a minute. Let's pray. I want to pray for you. But I want you to pray for yourself. Look, my prayers for you only do so much. you got to pray for you. Like, you're the one God wants a relationship with. He's already got a relationship with me. He doesn't need me as a go-between between you and him. He wants to have a relationship with you and you alone. Right now, he wants to talk to you. He wants to speak to you. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you into this room. We invite you into our hearts. And we ask you right now to speak to us. Speak to us. And maybe there's some people in the room today, and you're not serving God at all. You know you're not serving God. You know you're not a Christian. You know your lifestyle does not reflect what does not reflect Christ, first of all. You know the habits that you have are not leading you towards Christ. They're leading you away from Christ. 
Now, in our church, in the Bible, it calls it repentance. It means that I stop doing what I don't need to be doing, and I turn, and I go God's way. I pursue Him. And today, if that's you, if you need to ask God to forgive you, if you need to repent of your sins, of your wrong habits, if you say, Gabriel, I'm not serving God, but I want to serve God. I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior, the one that cleanses me of my sins, but also the one that leads me and guides me through everyday life. I want my life to look like Him, not like me. I don't want to be my old self anymore I want to be somebody different Paul said imitate me as I imitate Christ if the goal is always to be like Jesus so if that's you this morning and you want to give your heart to Jesus Christ nobody's looking around I don't want to embarrass anybody there's nothing embarrassing about it it's a great thing but I want you just to slip your hand up in the air let's just let's just tell him like just admit it today hey I need I need this yeah awesome So God, right now, I just pray, and you pray on your own right now, but God, I just pray for people that raised their hands this morning, and I just ask you, Holy Spirit, to do a work in their life. God, today, we're tired of going our own way, and we want to go your way. So God, today, we repent. Please forgive us. Cleanse us. If there's anything in our lives that's offensive to you, God, if there, if there are habits and areas of our life that we've just allowed to, to, to fester and, and to become rotten and cancerous in our, in our spiritual life, we just ask you today to just, to just deal with that stuff. God, if it's broken down, help us to get a vision. Help us to, 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 to get a plan to be able to rebuild what it is that's broken in our lives. And we just ask that you would come in and you would do that work in us today. We turn away from our old ways and we turn towards you. Be our Lord and our Savior. And God, for the rest of us today, I pray that you would strengthen us in our habits, strengthen us in our systems, in our customs. God, we want to be like you, Jesus. We want to have some areas in our life that people know that we're serving you, man. We're going after you. I want my kids to know that their dad has a custom and a habit of pursuing his Savior. I want my wife to know that I'm in pursuit of a spiritual life that's strong and reinforced that can protect our family. God, I want the church to know that I've got this, these spiritual habits of studying and devouring and consuming your word so that we can all grow together. God, these are the areas that we need to grow in fellowship and, and sharing. All these areas, God. I pray that you would help us today. Reinforce those things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.